welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on our show, I'm pleased to introduce you to Sherry Pearl. Sherry is an interfaith minister, a spiritual healer and advisor, a published author, and the mother of three children. She has studied, practiced, and taught various spiritual disciplines for over 40 years. Her life changed at the age of 20, which she'll tell us about on the show today. Now, as a spiritual healer and bereavement counselor, Sherry has touched thousands of lives all over the world. Sherry began the prayer registry in 2009 after the death of her son. She works with psychic mediums and electronic voice phenomena, bringing through children with messages for their parents. She is the author of the books, Healing from the Inside Out and the Outside In, and Lost and Found, A Mother Connects Up with Her Son in Spirit. She also offers a free download called The Grieving Parents Handbook, on her website, SherryPearl.com. Sherry is the ITC, which is Instrumental Transcommunication Facilitator with AREI, and that's the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. You can easily access all Sherry's links that she shares on the show today and see her beautiful self by visiting WeDon'tDieRadio.com and clicking on episode 107. So it's time to introduce you to this wonderful woman and let her share her journey in her own words. Sherry Pearl, thank you for being our guest today on We Don't Die Radio and welcome. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. It's an honor to be on your show. Thank you for asking me. Oh, you're very welcome. I have this big smile on my face like a Christmas morning when I've just opened up a fabulous gift. That's how I feel. Uh, and I'm just delighted that you're here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're a really neat woman up to some really amazing stuff. So why don't you share your journey, if you would, um, in your own words. I know you've been on a, a couple of interviews. Of those. <laughs> yeah, and just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And, okay. and this is pretty interesting what you're up to now. So share some of your journey, if you would, please. Okay, well, I started out my journey as the biggest non-believer in any of these things. Really? Um, oh, yeah. I was born in 51. You know, growing up in the 50s, we did not have mediums all around us. This was not something anyone ever talked about. My home was not bringing in any spirituality. My dad was an atheist. My mom was agnostic, I guess, you know. She didn't know what she believed. There was no spirituality in my home um, whatsoever. And Honestly, I thought that people who believed in the things that I now teach about and write about were either deluded or basically unintelligent people. You know, they just like believe in anything. And yes. so I didn't believe in anything along those lines. And um, at the age of 16, I came down with Crohn's disease which is also known as ileitis or iliocolitis. And they are, a cro it's chronic illness that affects the lower and the, the smaller and the larger bowel. And um, 
I was out west on a teen tour with a group of girls and a couple of chaperones when I woke up one day with a stomach ache that had been, um, that started and never went away. And I um, had never been seriously ill before. So I just assumed that in time, the symptoms would go away. Um, I, the entire summer was very difficult. I saw more bathrooms in Disneyland than exhibits. Oh, you poor thing. I was a 16 year old girl. I was completely freaked when the summer ended and I came home. Of course, my parents insisted that we see a doctor. It was all of our belief that the doctor would give me medicine and I would get well. Of course. We believed in nothing alternative. We didn't consider therapy. Back in that day, it was an insult, you know, to even insinuate that someone might need to talk to a therapist. Um, didn't do anything alternative of any of the things I would recommend now because I didn't believe in them, nor did I know of them. And so we went to Western doctors, the best doctors we could find. And after numerous tests, um, they told my mom and me that it was a chronic illness and they had no cure, but that they would put me on medications to hopefully slow the progress of the disease. And at the very worst, surgery would be an option. We, you know, we were just shocked. And I left the doctor's office with AM pills and PM pills and before meal pills and after meal pills. But bottom line was nothing really made a difference. I had such a severe case that it didn't matter what, you know, they gave me in terms of their medicines. I never had one day where I didn't wake up and have pain. Only it became worse and worse as time went on. Um, I began to hemorrhage the second year. So it was just a horrendous thing where you'd run to the bathroom, but you were filling up the toilet with blood. Oh, Frightening, frightening for yes. And you know how young girls are. You're shy. You're embarrassed. You know, you go to the doctor and they're always looking at your butt. So right. <laughs> just beside myself. But it was the fear now. It wasn't just pain. Now, you know, you just didn't know when this would stop. And I'd get rushed in the hospital. And eventually they operated and found that it was extremely extensive. Um, and they took out most of my colon and... Uh, at, you know, prior, right prior to the surgeries and, and the hemorrhaging, a dear friend of my father's who was British was visiting our home and he told me about a man in Britain who had healed friends of his in the Bahamas clear across the ocean. And at the time, I just said, absolute BS. That is just, you know, that that's insane. Yeah, of course. So I didn't deal with it. And then I went through the very difficult surgeries. Um, and I was 18 at the time when they did a temporary ileostomy. So on an 18-year-old girl, you now had the appliance on your abdomen. Oh. Um, I, you know, I was in a state of shock. Um, but my plan was I'd recover and I'd go back in and I'd reconnect those parts ASAP. Um, but what happened was they did not check blood back in 1969. And due to all the hemorrhaging, I was given numerous blood transfusions. And I was infected with the hepatitis C virus. Wow. So I'm recovering and, and looking to go back in and, and do that reconnective surgery um, when I start to feel pretty sick again. 
and um, it gets discovered that I have hepatitis. They didn't know what hep C was back in 1970. They just told me to bed rest and um, the liver would repair itself. And after six months of bed rest and no change in the blood tests, they realized it might be this new form, which was chronic. And, you know, once you've had one chronic illness, you don't want to hear that word again because chronic is, it means they can't do very much. Right. Um, and so um, it finally hit me, you know, that this was very, very serious um, because it, although there was no physical pain, I had no energy whatsoever. And they explained to my parents that the diseased cells were attacking the healthy cells and scarring them. And that if they did not come up with a cure, I would not live another 10 years. Um, and somehow I think when the severity of what was going on hit me, that I was now, I was now sitting here with a whole miscombobulated bowel system. And I now had a second illness in my liver. All of a sudden it occurred to me that it just came into my mind about this man in Britain. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about it for a couple of years, I, I would imagine, but all of a sudden, like as if it was stored in a pocket, I thought about that man in England. And, you know, when I went through so much of the surgeries, which involved very, very difficult times of being in tremendous amount of pain, you know, we didn't have those morphine drips back then. You got your pain shot once every four hours. Right. You know, it, it was a tough thing to go through. It just did something to me. It made me realize I didn't know everything because all these things that happened to me, I didn't even know could happen to a girl. And so I realized I just didn't know. I didn't know. And that was the most important step because that freed me up to remember about the healer and go, well, maybe I don't know everything. Right. So it was not what I would call a faith healing in the sense of I, it wasn't, I believe. And therefore I got, well, I didn't believe a thing. I was a desperate 19 year old girl who did not feel like dying. And I got my dad's friend and he gave us the information um, about the man in England. And my dad at the time had an office in England. So we had them call and, and they said, well, just have us write us, have her write us a letter and tell us a little bit about what's going on. And my first reaction was to be dumbfounded because I'd never gotten anything anywhere without taking off my clothes and having people examine me. Right. I, it, it was just mind blowing to me. Like I'm going to write a letter. And you know, I grew up in the fifties watching that show bewitched, you know, with Elizabeth Montgomery. Yes. Tweak her nose. I remember thinking he's going to tweak his nose. and I'm going to get well, but I also realized I had nothing to lose. And again, you know, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. So I said, I have nothing to lose. I'm, I'm going to do this. So I wrote the letter and my dad to the day he died, teased me about the spirits, but he offered to hand deliver my letter um, since he was going to be in England on business. So my dad went to the sanctuary of Harry Edwards now in spirit um, and hand delivered my letter and 24 hours, or it might have been 45, I have to check the book. I don't know if it was one day or two, but my dad had not yet returned from his trip. I had so much energy. I was flying. And I had a tingling sensation on my right side in the area of the liver. And I felt emotionally uplifted in a way that I couldn't even understand, like a sense of things will be okay. So... I kept walking around and telling my mother 
and everyone, you know, around me, I, you know, something's happening here. And they just were happy I was having a good night. No one believed anything was happening. My dad returned from England, tossed me a book and said, well, it looked like an ordinary man to me. Um, but two weeks later, I went for that next set of blood tests. It was my next monthly blood test. And it had jumped a third of the way towards normal. Wow. So I'm like, oh, my word. So I start, I still can't figure out. How in the world did the energy get to me all the way from England? Right. And so I started reading Mr. Edwards' books. And he said, well, he did not work alone, that he worked with what he called spirit doctors, who had often been doctors in their last life and upon crossing over still wanted to help to the suffering and the sick, and that they would be the ones to carry out the healing. And he said, since there was no time, or distance in the spirit world, that a spirit could be anywhere in no time. And so the spirit would visit the patient more often than not when they were sleeping and direct energy to both the fit, you know, to, to energy to soothe any emotional or, um, you know, ad- attitudes that might be bringing on some of the physical illness and to direct energy to the organ or the part of the body that needed to be healed. Now, I didn't believe in spirits at all at that time. You know, we had Casper the Friendly Ghost. That was the extent of what we knew about <laughs> spirits. But I could not deny that I felt energy, that something I could not see, feel, or touch was helping me. And that was the, you know, start of me really perking up. Now, obviously, this is all putting off reconnecting the bowel because, you know, I'm way too sick with the liver. It was 15 years before I ever reversed that, but I did get to reverse it later on. But what ended up happening here is Mr. Edwards told me to just, you know, we didn't have the internet. So he told me to just send him a letter through the, you know, through the mail. We'd write back and forth. He'd always answer my mail and I'd send him a letter every couple weeks to tell him how I was doing and request continued healing. Nice. Um, yeah, it was a, you know very nice. But in any event, um, this went on and in September, so it started in June. And then in September, I had another set of blood tests, which had jumped another third of the way towards normal. So at this point, I'm feeling I'm so excited. I'm looking everywhere for spirits. I could not see them but I could feel the effects of what they were doing. And there was no doubt in my mind that there something I couldn't see was helping me. Mm-hmm. So I began to, at that point, start reading the Edgar Casey books and going into learning about different mediums. Um, and, and that interested me very much too. But the real, real point where I was convinced was that in December of that year, I went for this, big set of blood tests. I went on a Monday and I was to call these specialists on Friday to get the results. When I called Friday, he said, we don't know how to explain it, but you can count your blessings. You know, your tests look very good. Well, I sat down that night to write Harry a letter, but the next day there was a letter in my mailbox. I hadn't, I had not finished writing my letter yet. There was a letter in my box from him and it said, dear friend, I feel that the healing has finally reached you. And this week you will be having tests that will prove to you the good news that healing has taken place. So when this happens, please write to us so that we may all confirm this. And when I read that, that's, that's when I snapped and said, okay, anyone can say whatever they want, 
this man and I are having some kind of paranormal communication because nobody else knew I was having those tests but my parents, who would never have contacted him. Um, I was the only one that contacted him. And he knew the results before I did. Wow. Heather had to leave England before I got the results on Friday. Pretty amazing. You just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I, this story always does, people tell me. So sure. That's when I said I was like 20 years old, and that's when I said, okay, this is real. So I called back the doctor because I was still on cortisone, which if you've ever been on that by mouth, it's not a drug you want to be on. It's, it, you can't sleep at night. You get a big, swollen, round face called moon face, acne and depression, it, a horrible drug. And so I called the doctor back and said, look, I'm well. I want to get off the cortisone. And he said, young lady, if you – funny, they don't say young lady anymore. They're all <laughs> they're these young people. It's so funny. But um, – he said, young lady, if you get off that cortisone, there's a 50-50 chance you'll relapse. And if you relapse, 80% chance you're going to die. Do not get off the drug. And, you know, I had to really sit down and think. And I said to myself, he doesn't know about spiritual healing. So how can I take my advice from him? There's a whole factor here he doesn't even believe exists. I know I'm well because of that leather. You know, I know it's not just a fluke. I'm getting off the cortisone. Um, fortunately, at that time, myself and my ex-husband, who was my high school boyfriend who married me during all this, um, we moved out west to work on a horse ranch that was owned by a friend of my father's, which was wonderful because I had to wean off the cortisone and I didn't want to be around my parents because there is a withdrawal period in which um, you feel very weak and it, it would produce the same symptoms as the hepatitis C. And I knew my parents couldn't bear to think I was cutting off. They were way too scared, didn't really believe in spiritual healing and way too invested in what the doctors believed. So I had to do it behind their backs. Nobody knew I was doing it, but my ex-husband and I would have to drop like a half a pill. And within 24 hours, I would feel exhausted and very afraid that I, you know, had done the wrong thing. And I would get out his letter where he said he knew that I, you know, I was going to have tests with good results. And I'd look at that letter and go, no, no, he knew. He knew I was well. So I'm well. And this is cortisone withdrawal. Yes. I got through the withdrawal and I felt good again. I'd give myself a week or two. So I'd know I was okay. And then I'd drop another half. And when I went from a half to zero, I guess it was so little at that point that there was no letdown. I just felt fine. And we were out at this ranch now and I walked around the ranch crying from joy that I was not on any medicine and I felt fine. So it's that amazing, time, Sherry. It's amazing. It, it's an amazing healing and it, it, a profound healing. But what's very interesting was that at that time I was still very young and um, I decided <laughs> that I would never go to a doctor again as long as I lived. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, that's why the book is not just healing from the inside out anymore, you right, see. Right, right. I learned that sometimes you have to go from the outside in, God damn it. Yeah. If you break your bone, go get your bone set. Don't sit and meditate. Right. You know, I call it common sense spirituality, which I didn't have at that time. And so I said, okay, I'll go to my grave wearing this, you know, uh, appliance, this ileostomy bag, as it's called, because... I will never go under the knife again. I was, you know, I, I was finally well. I, I understand that I boomeranged. Um, but that's how I felt. And I went on to, we moved back to upstate New York 
where we were going to have our own little racehorse ranch as in partners with my dad. And I was told that there was a medium who lived 20 minutes from the farm we bought, whose name was Jane Roberts, who spoke for a medium. I mean, it was the medium who spoke for an entity that was called Seth. Hmm. Now, the Seth books were very, very big in the 70s. I don't know if you ever heard of Seth Speaks. The I, I've of- heard of them, but I've never read them. But I've heard a lot of people talk about them. So, well, They were very, very popular. And living 20 minutes from the classes, I called up and they said I could come. And so I started being able to experience a spirit speaking through a medium on a once-a-week basis. And Seth was funny and jovial and, and, and articulate. Jane was a writer herself, so the vocabulary was amazing. And he had a wonderful philosophy that's backed up by everything from quantum physics to the secret. But there are, down, there are problems with that. And that's also why I changed my book to healing from the outside in, because people oversimplify the whole philosophy, which is that you create your own reality. And I do, uh, you know, I used to um, be a real proponent of teaching that. And now I've softened my perspective to say you influence your reality, no question. But I do believe that it, there's more to the quantum soup than only what you think. And so there's others, there's so much going on and that, um, we can't oversimplify these things. You know, it began, it began to happen that people would get cancer and then aside, not only having, not only having to deal with the cancer, but now this belief was making them feel guilty because they felt they created it. They chose it. It's right. not so oversimplified. It's like, well, he's maybe poor, but he chose to be bored poor. So, you know, it, it I know. I believe a lot of people feel it excuses them from any civic responsibilities because, well, he created that. Right. He must need to learn from that. So there's problems with these philosophies. And I was a big, I was one of the big proponents of it. And so in my case, um, I went along really great living with that philosophy for a number of years because the night that I walked in my first set class, I glanced at my husband, who's been my husband now for, I don't know, we're like over 30 years. So nice. And and so right from, you know, getting involved with it, so many things went so well in my life that it was very easy to think, oh, I was just this wizard, you know. Creating and it all, yes. I created, you know, I met Jerry, We, I, you know, I moved into Manhattan. Well, actually, I, I met, I didn't really get together with him until I'd moved to Manhattan. My marriage ended and I moved down, but I saw him that night and I had my eye on him and then met him, you know, later. Um he had stopped going to the classes for a while during the period I was there. Then I moved to New York City and we met up and I realized he was that guy I'd been looking at all night. That little story's in the book. But, um, you know, everything went so well. We adopted beautiful children and Jerry was doing well in the financial world and in, in, in real estate. And it was so easy to go, oh, you know, I just got this one together, guys. You know, I just create my own reality because I went to Seth class and I know this. So I've got, I don't need mammograms. I just, I just. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tell yeah. you, I know people that I spoke at the conference after I. I call it my fall from grace and getting off the set go round. But I spoke at a conference where I explained that that can be a very dangerous thing. And I was practically booed off the stage. These people were like, I finally got to the point where I don't have to get mammograms and you're telling me maybe I should. And I'm saying, we still have two feet. We still walk on the ground, you know? Yes. I think you are, but 
I didn't, I learned everything the hard way. I guess I, I'm just like that because what happened was everything was going so well and we adopted our second son and, you know, Jerry was doing well. And then 1989 rolls in and my book, which I managed to sell the new American library through an agent is hitting the bookstores and Jerry, there's a big crash in 1989, 87, all around there in real estate. And my husband, who was a young developer and had built a lot on what you call a paper empire and, and things crashed for us. And he was hit with a big, big problem and tells me, you know, we got to find a house out of the city where the boys can go to, you know, um, public schools, you can't afford the price. You know, we, we went through one of those things. And now I had two little boys and Danny, my second child was a little harder to manage. So they were very wild and they would, I'd get out the front door and one would run one way and one the other. So my life is this little mother with my one child who was such an easy child. My first one became very chaotic. But for me, the biggest downfall was that I started to have pain again. Oh, well, I'd gotten reconnected. That was the other thing that made me feel I was, you know, the total, uh, you know, queen on, on top of the world. I also got my bowel reconnected in 1984 and it, it worked. I was able to live like that. So I really thought, you know, I've got it together. I even got my bowel reconnected. I, you know, only have a four inch colon, but I, I <laughs> You live I, in this magical world, I've creating got, your own reality. Yeah, know. right. Then I start getting pain. To me, that was worse than the money problems, worse than the fact that my boys were making me crazy. I had pain, and I wouldn't go to a doctor. And Jerry, that's my husband's name, he's getting real upset with me because he wants me to see a doctor, but he didn't know that with the police system I'd taken on from being this Seth teacher and all, because I taught Seth. I was teaching Seth in Greenwich Village in New York. He didn't know that to me that was the biggest freaking failure. It, I either, either I had to accept that there was a limitation to, the, to this truth or that I had failed at it. Either way, I could not go to, I would not go to a doctor. And then one night I nearly died because I had a complete obstruction. That's a complete blockage in which you could burst. But instead, I just projectile vomited all night in the bathroom because I wanted to not go to an emergency room and wait, you know, till I could go to my own doctor. I, I didn't realize my life was in my hands. Um, and when I finally got to the hospital, my doctor walked in. I had to have a doctor because I had to be reconnected in 84. My doctor walked in and he said, why did you wait so long before coming for help? And, you know, it was like I was flabbergasted. I just I went. Where in the world was my head? Yeah. So my butt in the new age. And that's why I call that whole thing what, what I used to be a new age asshole. Because <laughs> honestly, you know, there was no common sense. I know people who think, you know, if you're into spiritual healing, you shouldn't take an aspirin. You shouldn't take a medication. You shouldn't take an antibiotic. God damn it. And that's, and I was one of them. And I nearly died trying to prove a philosophy. And when a philosophy becomes the truth, you watch out. Because what you're saying is, it's this. And then what about everything else you're leaving out of the picture? Mm -hmm. You know, you narrow everything. It's like what I call the empty boat theory. If you've got your, you have a little boat and you're, you're going around to different ports you want to learn. But if you've got your boat so stacked up with what you believe and what you think that there's no room for anything else, what you really have done is not make yourself a strength. What you've made yourself is a prison. And I had made myself a literal prison, and I nearly died paying for that. 
Wow. So when I came out of that, the obstruction, you know, we, it, the blockage broke up and I got, you know, I got back on my feet. But when I came out of that, I really felt like I had failed. And I, I remember I got a call from an interfaith um, minister, a friend who wanted me to speak at her school. And I said, Joycey, I have nothing to say to anybody. I don't, I'm not teaching Seth again. I, I just felt completely that I had failed. And I didn't understand that what it really was, was another step on that road of learning so that I'd have a fuller, bigger picture of it all. Yes. At the time, it felt terrible to me. And then it's very interesting because um, when my book first came out, my brother had sent a copy to Ram Dass to see if we could get an endorsement. And he had written back saying, it's a good book and it will help people, but it's not the way I see things. So I can endorse it. And I, re I refer your sister to Healing into Life and Death by Stephen Levine. And so I was really mad at the time. I was like, who's this Stephen Levine? But after this fall from grace, I, I, my husband was, we were taking a little trip. He was going to play golf and I was just going to chill. Um, and it came into my head, you must take that book with you, Healing into Life and Death by Stephen Levine. So I went to our local bookstore. I ordered it and it came just in time for the trip. And that dear man saved my life because he explained that, you know, you know, he explained the bigger picture of it all, which is that even sometimes dying is healing. I mean, you, it, it's not about never getting sick. It's about accepting who you are, no matter what happens. And I realized that I had had myself on the tightrope where as long as things were going good, I loved myself. But as soon as the picture wasn't pretty anymore, I had no room for myself. When that pain first arose, I didn't go, oh, sweetheart, you're in pain. I went, you idiot. How could you have let this happen? Right. You know, so this, this all changed. And I went back to being able to teach again um, because I now realize that there's a limitation and a danger to adhering to concepts like the ones taught by the secret, the Seth material, Abraham Hicks, all those things. They're fine as long as you understand that it's a tool. And there are other things you may not, the way I look at it is this, if, if the universe and all the workings, and if it's God or chance, luck, your beliefs, that whole big thing, if, if you have a, a big, say, tapestry um, or a mosaic, one of the pieces in that mosaic for me now is a mystery piece. And before that piece, I am forever humbled because I recognize for everything I think I know, Miss Smarty Pants, there's just as much I don't know. And if you really want to take care of yourself, you have to leave room for what you might learn tomorrow. Don't decide today, this is it. It's finite. I've got the truth because I got smacked over the face with the truth that was really painful. Oh, sure. And you say, you said before, common sense spirituality. And I love that. And I, we talk about not that term, but take what works and throw the rest away. I mean, yeah, there's so much good in the secret. There's so much good in, from what you say in Seth and so many other things. But it's not just that the be all, the end all. Our life and our journey and yours sounds actually perfect for where we're going in this conversation and what you're up to today. And I'm sure you can agree, they're all stepping stones to where you are now. Sherry, it makes you more lovable and more real and more authentic to hear this kind of stuff. Um, 
and even you know it's funny because i've i've known people that are millionaires and they were born into money and you know i don't often swear on this show but um yeah they can be assholes right and then you take the guy that had nothing and worked so hard and now has made it and he is far more inspiring to hear speak on wealth and what's possible than someone who's already always had a great life so Keep keep sharing the the tough stuff, and that's where inspiration comes. I agree so, with you because well, it shows that we can turn yeah things, yeah and turn you know um, a bad situation into a better. And I do think that we have a, a very important role to play in affecting and influencing our lives. Because had I never opened my mind to the possibility of spiritual healing, I might not be here today. Right. So, of course, you know, we, we, the way we respond to what happens to us is very much involved in what we, of the future that will be created from it. But, and, and, and I can easily believe too that my, um, soul may have chosen, I've been told by numerous mediums as well as, um, a, um, Akashic record reader who's amazing, that I clearly chose to become ill, that it wasn't that my life went wrong, that I didn't become the dancer and performer I wanted to be, that I my soul chose that so that I would be doing precisely what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I like to believe it. That's, that's the best hypothesis to believe. But the bottom line is that's a hypothesis too, because what do we really know for sure? Just looking at the time, Sherry, would you, because yeah, yeah. the name of the show is We Don't Die. Okay. And I'd love to hear why you believe in life after death. And I know okay. that we move on to what happened okay. with your son. Could we go yes. jump well, to that? Well, what here? made me know that uh, right away was the fact that something healed me that, I, that wasn't of this world. Right. So that was my first experience. That carried me a long time along. Then through that, I went to visit Harry Edwards couple years after I was well and I learned a lot about British mediums. So I started, Good for also, you. you know, go, learning about mediums and the kind of communication. So by the time, um, by the time I came back from the set classes ended and, and I was living in Manhattan, I connected with a fellow named Glenn Dove, um, who's an amazing medium on Long Island. And I started going out to him and finding that my father, who passed young of a heart attack, and Harry Edwards, my healer, had met up in spirit, and they would start coming to me. So now this was my other proof. I began going out there quite often. Glenn and I worked on a book together, which we're still working on. And, and um, I then began to realize just through communications, constant communications with people I loved and knew well, that... They were there. They were who they were. And because I started going more often and we were working on a book, different spirits were coming through who I didn't necessarily know, but I knew their wife or their brother. And it, it was just, I began to realize that it's just a very real world. Um, my needs to connect was to help me along with my healing work. I wasn't real confident. And if I could connect with my dad and Harry and others, it gave me the confidence that I was really getting through to someone and then my son, Danny, who was the second son and, and the more challenging always, passed of an overdose. And, oh. right, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's is the toughest thing. And, um, and, and sh- right after, you know, right after, like the day after, I'd be sitting in my bedroom thinking, you should have known. You woke up at 3 a.m. You know, you should have known. And I'd hear in my head, well, Mom, I didn't even know. How could you have known? But I heard it in my own voice. 
not knowing that most mediums do. And I just didn't know if it was real. So all of a sudden when the shock wore off a day or two later, I realized I had to go out to Glenda's. So I called the office, made an appointment. Daniel came through. It's all in my book, Lost and Found, so people can read my experiences in the first two years after Danny passed of going to mediums and the evidential ways he came through, some of the signs that were given. I have photographs I took of them in the little book and ways for people to learn to just listen in and hear the messages they're getting. Uh And that was where it was all at for me. I'd, I'd get some stuff directly and I'd get stuff by having so many wonderful mediums in my life. Um, But then I saw this, well, actually in 2006, and Danny passed in 2008, I was at a conference in Montreal where I heard a man named Mark Macy speak about ITC. I know Mark Macy, yes. I heard Mark speak, and I was very intrigued, but I will admit I was a little scared of it back then. Sure. Um, Because Hollywood has done a number on us with this white noise stuff, and and I didn't have a son in spirit, and I just didn't think anything like that could ever work for me, so... I let it ride. Then I saw the documentary Calling Earth. I don't know if you've seen no, it. No, I haven't. It's on YouTube and it's fantastic. And it's called Calling Earth. I highly recommend it. If someone's going to write it into YouTube, after you put in Calling Earth, write E as in elephant, V as in vapor, P as in pearl, because there's so many things with the title Calling Earth. If you don't put in EVP, yes. something else. And for our listener. Um, I'll attach that to this episode. So we don't die radio.com episode one zero seven. And I'll have a link that you can just press to get you to that calling earth. Oh, that's great. Um, Yeah. It's it's fantastic. And I watched it. And again, I was very interested in a group called the big circle because they supposedly were parents who were communicating with their kids. So I contacted through an email, someone there who said, well, we kind of disbanded for a while. We're not doing a lot. So I dropped it again. And then I did a radio show with Roberta Grimes about eight months ago. And a woman named Vicki Talbot saw the sh- heard the show and called me to register, actually emailed me to register her son, Braden, with the prayer registry, which is something I put together. It's a free service for all bereaved parents in which their child receives mass prayer from all of us parents every year on their passing date. So it's all organized at my website. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So Vicki contacts me to register Braden, and we get to talking. And lo and behold, she was the Vicki I saw in the Calling Earth documentary. And talking to her sparked my interest again. So I had heard that at the AREI website, which is the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, there were instructions that would enable you to Try to do this yourself. So I got my computer fellow over because I'm not that computer savvy. And he helped me to download a recording system and the background noise I would need to supply for the spirits to work with. Apparently, they will influence the sound you play into audible words that you can hear. So I started doing it. um, And right away, I started getting messages. I couldn't even hear them at first. I would send my clips. I would send my recordings, my little two-minute recordings to Craig Hogan of AREI, the Afterlife Research. And And he's been on this show, as has our friend Roberta Grimes. We're all one big... We are one big happy family sharing 
reality of life after death. Yes. Well, Craig and Vicky were like my mentors, the two of them, and they would listen to my audios and go, Sherry, listen here, listen there. You hear this, you hear that. And all of a sudden I started being able to hear it better myself. And I think maybe because I have loved spirit for so many years and been under the guidance of Harry Edwards for so many years, as well as have a son who ardently wants to do this with me. He's been running the prayer registry on that side, or so he says. Um, it's been for me very, it's been a very successful beginning. I started in April and on a, I'm floored at this point by what's coming through. Yeah, what's happening? And just for our listener, we're talking about electronic voice phenomena, which is using a device to record sound. Some people call it white noise. Some people use chopped up. Um, yeah, just in gibberish. Gibberish. And- gibberish. And our deceased loved ones through however it's done and, <laughs> i mean it's it's amazing i i'm sure they're not alone in it i'm sure there's a whole team of people oh, helping to do this but they manipulate the recording on the recorder and form it into words so that when you press play on whatever device you record it on there are actually words names messages yes it, it's, it's, it's incredible it's and very real yeah so what kind of, give us a, like, for instance, like what, did Danny first start coming through on uh, electronic voice phenomena? Not only that, Danny's been able to come through in his own voice. No yeah. kidding. Now, my husband, Jerry, he was in the Seth classes and he knows very well there's an afterlife, but he thinks there's a lot of people out there that are completely mixed up. And he, you know, he's not like, it's not his base. He's a New York lawyer and real estate developer. Okay. And he might have thought that he was Sherry with her feet off the ground, but he heard a few clips of Danny and he said, that's my son. Yes. I know you're getting through because that's Danny. So I've been fortunate enough to have that. And, but I didn't fully understand what they meant when they, when it was explained to me that the spirits were influencing the sound until I started trying to, trying out different sound backgrounds that were provided at different websites. Now, I have one that I love called Spiritron, which was created by a man named Ron Ruiz and can be found at a website that's called idigitalmedium.com. I, that sounds I, digital idigitalmedium.com. Medium. Yep, I'll put a and link to I that. I hit on it, and it, it makes like a ear, ear. And Weird. Danny sounds like a little robot when he talks on it. But because there's no gibberish, I like it because there's no chance. Like, for example, with gibberish, if I get the name Diane, but then there's an uh in the gibberish, I might think it's Diana. So it, it's, it can be a little bit different. But what I like about using human gibberish is on that, Danny's been able to produce his own voice. So mm-hmm. right now I play around with both of them. But if I record for other people, I always use the human gibberish. So it will sound more, it won't freak them out sounding like a little robot. But um, interestingly, I decided one day as a lark, but I now think Danny put the idea in my head. But at the time, it just seemed like a lark to ask the prayer registry children if they would like to come through and say their name for their parents and in a two-and-a-half-minute recording, I have over 200 audible, articulate names, which are now oh. posted at my website. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah, and it, there's, they're always coming. Even if I'm doing a private reading with Danny, they use it as an opportunity to go, it's Evan, it's Josh. So I finally realized what I had to do was have a system so that I would save those under names. And if it seems like it's another message from Danny, I save it under prayer registry kids. And now I'm getting messages. I asked them, then, do you want to do more than names? You want to give messages? And the recordings are full of things like, miss you, mom, love you, mom. And one was like, did you go to Sloan Kettering? And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just getting so amazed to see the conversations they have amongst themselves because they're very human. There are kids just out of their bodies. They talk about the stuff they talked about. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Wow. Can we, we can go to your website, sherrypearl.com and find yes. some of these. Oh, what you, all you have to do is when you get to the welcome page, there's a search bar. The first thing says the prayer registry. If you hit on that, it will show you the calendar for the month of July and all the kids on each date, their names and all. Mm-hmm. If you go to the next, hit the next thing, that's the prayer site. That's where I post a prayer and an audio prayer daily for the children being held in prayer that day. The oh. third thing is the prayer registry photo gallery where I post up to three pictures per child if the parents want to send them. <laughs> and the fourth thing is the prayer registry forum. And that's where these clips are. Okay. And just for anyone listening, Sherry is spelled S-H-E-R-I. Last name is spelled P-E-R-L Correct. dot com. So. Yep. so the cl- now I'm going to be working. I have my computer guy coming next week to help me with this WordPress blog because ever since I've added all these audios, things have slowed down. Some people tell me it takes a little while to load. Other people tell me in their computer it loads in a heartbeat. Um, and you know, you ha- if you want to hear the first posts, you know how blogs work, you have to scroll down. So I have, uh, I, the second, I call it roll call. The second roll call, I had to start breaking into just doing them alphabetically because the, the, if you scroll further down to the first roll call, there's the 200 names in one post. And I think that caused problems for my computer. So I have to learn how to post more effectively, but it's okay. At least you're onto it. Even me starting this podcast, I watched a YouTube video. How do I start a podcast? And now we've grown to thousands and thousands of listeners around the world, which I thank you for listening, by the way, you who's listening right now, but it, it, it just comes in time and I don't have this all figured out and you're connecting through the airwaves to heaven. Hey, speaking of which, where is heaven, do you believe? Is it up in the sky in the clouds? Oh, I believe it's just a different vibratory level, and it's right here, right in the room. Spirit's right here. It's just that we can't see it. And we, and just like orbs, for example, in photographs, you know how the people don't see them? The camera can photograph an orb, but the naked yes. eye... It's the same type of thing with EVP. There's something in the digital process that allows them to do this, but we don't hear we don't hear the voices while we're recording. We hear it in the playback because we can't access it, but it's right here. It's not somewhere else. It's right here. That's why my son can say if I didn't do my exercise that day, I see we didn't run today. He's he's right here. Wow. He knows- Everything going on. Yeah. And amen to that because I, so many of us want to hear from our loved ones. So people I'm sure will be contacting you and going to your site about doing EVPs 
uh, we go to mediums, but we don't realize is like sitting right next to me on the couch could be my dad, my grandmother, my kitty, Millie could be snuggling up against me. Probably is. And we could spend a lot of money going out to try to get this. And not that you can't do that, but also you can start building a relationship and trusting they're there. And I tell you, signs will start coming through. You are so right. I This is something I say all the time that in the beginning, if you need to do a lot of medium, you know, going to a lot of mediums to get to the point that you realize that it's really real, then do that. Do whatever you need to do to get to the point where you begin to realize that they don't hang around the medium. They follow you out there. They're with you. Yeah, correct. I, I used to think that Glenn Dove who was my first really close medium that, you know, he, they just hung around him. So people would say, I would say, say goodbye to Dan for me. And people always say that to me. Well, say hi to Aaron for me. And I'll say to the mom, say it yourself. He's not with me. He's with you. The only reason he connected with us is because he knew you and I were going to connect because he's watching you. And, and I'll tell you a great one. I was driving out to uh, Glenn's once. Daniel was still alive, but I had just been told by my dad and Harry that I could do the healing work Harry did. And I was so excited. But then I thought to myself that I must be making it up. So I'm driving out to Long Island and I decide to talk out loud in the car. And I said, okay, Harry and Herman. Herman was my dad. I said, you boys better show up today and let me know if I'm out of my mind or not. Because if you don't show up, it's motherhood and pottery. That's it. Because I'm down here, I'm sticking my neck out, and I know people think I'm a nut. Well, anyway, the medium says, well, you know, your dad's here, and he's got somebody named Harry with him. And they said to tell you, they took the ride out here with you to do it. And they said, bottom line question, are you out of your mind? And it was at that point that I also realized that they were in the car while I was talking to them. Yes. And that's how close your loved ones are to each one of you. You don't have to go anywhere, think what it is that you want them to hear, and then sit back and see what comes to you. It will come in one way or another. Like what a lot of moms do, and I'm finding it's amazing. Click on Pandora on your phone. Give, give them a couple minutes. Say, what, oh, I'm so upset. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, think it. Let it out. Click on your phone. I'm telling you, they manipulate these devices. Danny has put on songs that have literally made me go, oh, all right, that really helps. Thank you, sweetheart. Yeah. They can do I, it. Just just reach out. They'll be there. You know, reach out. <laughs> that reminds me of a quick story. One of uh, my, the readers of my book wrote me that her brother had accidentally shot himself with a BB gun, and she felt very much at fault, and she was trying to contact him, and she wanted to commit suicide because she didn't hear anything from him. So I just started talking about quieting her mind, building her own energy, because EVPs, I mean, it's a manipulation of energy. They need to have energy to work with to be able to do this. And I also believe when those in the hereafter give us signs, we've got to have, there's got to be some energy available to make your lights go on and off or turn on the TV or change that song. So it comes from us trying to feel good and, and not being a real deep state of depression and so I gave her some tools to just lift her mood and to trust and believe well he this kid had 
this most obscure favorite song that was never played on the radio. It was not a big band. It wasn't a big hit. Well, once she shifted who she was being and trusted and really started talking to him, and even when your mind's saying, you're crazy, this isn't real, she kept doing it anyways. Well, lo and behold, Sherry, that song started getting played all over the place. And she's just like, and thankfully, she did not end her end her own life. She got more heavy into life after death studies and things. But but it takes something. It really does. So they're here and they're ready. You're so right. They just need us to open the window a little bit. Just you don't have to have a certainty about it. No, have to be a little bit willing to say, well, maybe there's more than I know, and not be so afraid to just. Empty the boat a little bit. Yeah, I love that. It's what we don't know we don't know. I mean, it's. I've hung out with enough arrogant people that know everything to know that I don't like those people. And so leave room on your boat. You know what? What I always say is where will those people be if they go through the loss of a child or something? Because if the theories you live your life by are really, really, you know, valuable, they'll be a support for you in the worst times. And what I find with a lot of those know-it-alls is then something happens and they're entire, they just crash because it was a paper house, you know, it wasn't there, yeah. it was something they really lived you, by. You know what's you know funny what? is we're both talking about those people and you and I were those people. I mean, I was the biggest jerk, anti-life after death, anti-spirituality, anti-people that believed in psychics and mediums and, you know, here I am. <laughs> it's hysterical. Um, I just, yeah, I'm a, I feel like I'm interrupting you. Sorry. I just want to share something about EVPs from my experience because I, I too have recorded a bunch. And in the beginning, I was so freaking frustrated because I couldn't hear them. And I'd learned with Tom and Lisa Butler, who um, are great people, uh, and they could hear things on my recordings and I couldn't hear it. And so someone may go to your website, Sherry, and click on something and be frustrated that they can't hear it. And the way I like to think about this is if you're learning a foreign language, say you're learning the language French. Okay, so it all sounds like gibberish gibberish until you start learning the language. Well, all of a sudden you hear somebody speaking it and you're like, I understand that word, you know, and then it's like, oh, I understand that word. So the more EVPs you do, the more you listen. Suddenly what happens is out of the gibberish that you might have recorded, all of a sudden you'll hear something. And when your brain can start picking up on the words, you'll start hearing more and more and more. Um, and I don't know if that's your experience, but it certainly no, is mine. absolutely right. And um it is, it is a process of hearing. The other thing I do is I have written in English under the little clip what it is I hear. Right. Because that's very helpful too. Because, um, and, and I always tell everyone, play it five, six times, hit on it five or six times in succession while looking at the words. Mm-hmm. And eventually you, you can hear a lot of them. But people do tell me they don't hear it at times. And I feel badly because I want them to have the benefit. But... I just can do what I can do and put it out there and let them, you know, do what they will. But I believe that in time, more and more people will start giving it a try. And um, 
I hope that they will have success. I'm happy to try to help people. And, and Craig Hogan at AREI, you know, they're geared over there to want to help people if they really seriously want to give it a shot. They have instructions. They have gibberish you can download. You don't need to be online to do it. You know, it's just have a recorder and have your background sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they have the instructions on afterlifeinstitute.org. That's yes. the site? Yep. Well, it, I think it's .com. Let me, um, let me, let me go. Well, I can't get out of this well, screen, no. I guess. But it's one of the um, other. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, um, I, I'll get it here. Let's, let's just get it right here now. Here we are. Lovely it's technology. F-E-R. Okay, so it's afterlifeinstitute.org. Hmm. See, I'm glad I checked. I hate to give the wrong information. Afterlifeinstitute.org. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sherry, our time is coming to an end. Um, can you just mention what helpingparentsheal.info is? Oh, yes. Um, Helping Parents Heal is a wonderful organization started by a woman by the name of Elizabeth Vinay Poisson who lives in Arizona and she has her helper is Mark Ireland. I think he's a co-founder. Um, I host their groups in New York. What, what's happened is they wanted to form um, an organization that would have groups that met that would deal with the afterlife in terms of grief recovery, not just being a handholding kind of thing. Um, and so that's how it started. And now there are many chapters all over the country of people meeting to discuss their children, but also to discuss the signs they get, the mediums they've been to, all from occasionally host a medium to come to a meeting in, in my home. Um, and, and we have two women, two lovely women come from New Jersey in June um, and do readings for the group. And, and they were wonderful, practically every one of like 28 people had an evidential reading. It was a beautiful thing. So, but you know, I understand that the compassionate friends just had a huge conference and invited Elizabeth and said that they are very open now to bringing in the spiritual peace, which many of them weren't in the past, which was why helping parents heal was the first originally to say the afterlife's going to be part of our grief recovery. Cause we feel, you know, and, and I, when I heard of them, I just said, you want me to join in New York because you know, it's exactly what I believe. And so I, you know, join them in that regard. Um, and it, it's a wonderful thing because people need to talk to other people and they need to share the stories that we shared. Oh, absolutely. And the afterlife, believing in the afterlife is such an important part of um, healing the grieving process. I tell you, your, gr- your grieving process is going to be the hardest thing you've ever had to deal with. I mean, it is the most painful thing. Anyone who's listening to us right now in your grieving I, we're sorry for your loss and it hurts and it's part of humanity to go through this. But I do know from personal experience that having that belief in the afterlife makes such a profound difference that it, it is incredible. It is incredible. The profound difference is that you find them. That's why my book is called Lost and Found because what you lose in the flesh you can find in the spirit. And like I tell parents, it's not the arms that hugged you that you loved. It was the energy that animated the arms to hug you. If I cut both your arms off, you'd still be Sandra. Yes. So it's, not, it's not the arm. You know, it's the energy, the essence that filled it with life. And that essence hasn't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it loves you and misses you just as much as you love Yes. And where we are now is not the be all end all place in the universe. So many people I've talked to, Sherry, call when we 
transition, Passover, whatever you want to call it, going to the hereafter, that is going home. It is like we're on a field trip now on planet Earth, having this human experience for a very short time. We all return at different times. Uh, unfortunately, we can't plan when that is or, you know, yep. we don't know what the plan is. Yep. Um, but where we will all reunite again is back home. So so trust in that. And they're around and your life is for a purpose. And it can suck sometimes. I know it can, but it also can be delightful at some times. And it's, I, I personally believe it's for our soul to grow. Uh, Sherry, any closing words before I wrap up the episode? My dear. Uh, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story and my life. And my website um, is there for anyone that would like to know more. You know, it's, there's a lot of information there. If people want to contact me, um, Sherry Pearl at Gmail is an email, you know, spelled the same way. So that people want to contact me, I, I with it, you know, I will get back to anybody. I am happy to talk to anybody. Oh, you're so oh, sweet. Yeah. And just to, as a little note to our listener right now, Sherry's been doing all these EVPs and sharing everything on our website for free. Uh, I mean, the day might come that hundreds of thousands of people are contacting her um, that she might not be able to get to everybody. But this is a labor of love. She, like me, we do have our books, and of course, people can buy them, um, but. So much of our passion about doing what we do and sharing it is just free because we believe in this. We know it's real. We want people to have a, a better life and ourselves included too. And when you find something that gives you passion like this and you get to share it, there's no greater joy. None. None. So let me just close this show out by saying Sherry Pearl has been our magnificent guest. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Sherry. And anyone can go to we don't die radio.com, click on episode 107, and everything Sherry talked about today will make it life easy for you. You can click on links to her website, her book, uh, that YouTube video that she talked about. And I just have a humongous favor to ask if you find these episodes helpful or make a difference in your life, take a second, um, go to iTunes, and if you can rate the show or leave a comment, that would be great. If you're listening on YouTube or SoundCloud or Stitcher or Spreaker, however it is, you can leave a comment, um, share it. I get emails all the time from people that have either healed their grief um, believed in life after death. There are many folks that have written that were going to take their own life, but one of these shows inspired them to believe that life after death is real and they're remaining on planet Earth. I mean, that is a huge thing. And you, my friend, may be instrumental and it only takes a share on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. You just have no idea who is silently hurting right now that one of these episodes could make a difference for. So I'm just asking you that, not coming from ego that I want to grow the show, but truly there are lives being healed and changed and, you know, getting inspired and, and saving lives. So that's, that's a big deal to me. 
really a big deal. So, um, yeah. And lastly, if you do go to wedontdieradio.com, you haven't done this yet, you feel free to click on Join the Insiders Club. And there you can read a free copy of my book, We Don't Die. And also I have a bunch of other things, um, including a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I loved being here today with Sherry Pearl. And let's all take her words of advice, this common sense spirituality, you know, learn, explore, take what fits, throw away the rest, be open for what you don't know you don't know, because that's where the miracles lie. And thank you again for listening, and we'll see you soon.